0: Hey, good people. Welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Danny Christie. Danny and his girlfriend Kiki, who makes a surprise appearance, run a massage therapy and movement education program called Pain Posture Performance. Danny and I talk about what actually sparked his interest in massage, how he approaches exercise for himself and his clients, and we even talk about Danny's trip to Peru for some ayahuasca and what he got out of that. Hope you enjoy this one how you doing brother (laughs) very well man how you doing pretty good pretty good so uh we've met when you uh came down to la with your company Pain posture and performance um with your girlfriend that you guys run this company and uh i took a a seminar from you and um you know and i've done lots of these seminars over the years and um you know if you go to a yoga seminar it always seems to be like the answer to all your problems is yoga. If you go to like, a, you know, a movement seminar, the answer seems to be movement. And there's really not a lot of people that you meet these days in the industry, I think, that kind of have this great overlap of things. And when I met yeah. you guys, you got, you talked about massage and, you know, rolling things out and, and um, stretching and flexibility, but you also talked about movement and you also talked about, you know, Pre- things you can do outside the massage room, you know, which yeah. I think is like a huge, huge thing that's missing in the industry, you know? Yeah,
1: I agree. Like, with the massage uh, world, like, a lot of massage people know absolutely nothing about training and movement. Uh-huh. So that they're, they're oblivious that this exists. Like, you can massage people, stretch, and do your table work. But then you can also send it to someone like you or someone like me, who does more movement-based rehab, like some, a lot of massage people just don't know that that world even exists. And uh, me and Kiki, we live in sort of both worlds, so to speak, uh-huh. so we try and bring all that to the table and let people know it's not only X or Y or Z, there's many things, and we can do many things, we don't have to be pigeonholed into just, we're a massage people, we're stretching people, we're flexibility people, we're kettlebell people like we were speaking about earlier.
2: Uh-huh. We can
1: be a little bit of everything, or if you if you're not comfortable being that, make friends with people who are so you can refer and 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 have these conversations you know what i
0: mean yeah this is great because you know it's it's always in a way it's always i feel like it shouldn't be that way but sometimes you know like you you see a massage therapist and you know you'll talk to them about doing a certain movement or a certain squat and they just have no fucking clue how to do it you know and yeah (laughs) or or vice versa though too you know you do meet a lot of meatheads right that are just in the gym and they're pumping iron and they know how to bench press but like you know you just they have no idea how to just do just a basic stretch maybe they hurt themselves and they're always looking for answers
1: yeah I think people get like we get into these very small boxes right we become like we 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 all know people who who are meatheads and they do only meathead stuff they won't stretch they won't do any warming up they won't do any warm up sets they won't go for a massage they won't go for any rehab Mm -hmm. they just bench deadlift squat and uh yeah it doesn't have to be like that (laughs)
0: it's interesting but
1: I, and also it's like a lot of people who have like for example uh, with kettlebell training like we had a chat with about earlier like there's there's a couple of styles so people who do say hard style mm. tend to think sports style is bad and people who do sports style think hard style is bad like yeah. it's not it just really depends on what you're trying to achieve how much time you're willing to put into it and who you're training like yeah. one style is not actually better than the other they're just different but <laughs> It's, it becomes like fractured where oh no we can't do that we because we're X or we're Y we don't do
0: yeah. That so style. that's why I was initially really right away I was like oh I'm at the right spot I was really interested I thought it was a great seminar. So but I mean you know how did you get to that place where you have experience of a massage therapist but also somebody's a trainer? I mean where where did it all start for you?
1: Uh, for me I I really I, I started martial arts relatively young I was probably in my. Well, relatively young. It's <clears throat> not young for martial arts. Too. I done something. It's a Chinese kickboxing, Chinese kung fu, mm-hmm. uh, and I did that. I started doing that when I was about seventeen, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I did that for like eight, nine, ten years straight. Like I was oh, like, wow, wow, wow. I, I was in. I was three, four days a week,
0: mm-hmm. two-hour
1: sessions, like
0: all mm-hmm. year. And this is, by the
1: way, where? Where'd you grow up? This, this was in England. This was in London. Okay. And okay. Uh, I just got hooked. I was doing it, and then. I've become a black belt and I was teaching because, um, in, in, in that style, you have to teach in order to obtain your second degree, the de- black belt. That was one of the stipulations of that. But mm-hmm. then um, then one day, man, I woke up and I was going to the gym. And I went to go to the gym and I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this shit anymore. I can't. I just, I, I just stopped enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And now I don't really do any martial arts training. I'll still dabble and do some martial stuff but I don't do any formal martial arts. Uh-huh. But I got me interested in movement, stretching, flexibility, like learning with your brain and physical learning.
2: Okay.
1: And that's pretty much the way I train now with my clients and that's the way I try and teach people when they come to my seminars, not like
2: mm-hmm.
1: we teach us we teach a very particular stretching and flexibility technique.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But that encompasses many different things, you know. I mean, it's not just one style of stretching, it's a couple of different styles. Amalgamated into one system, but it's I've pulled that from many, many people over the 20 years, 25 years I've been doing this stuff. So,
0: mm. so you quit martial arts, and uh, what happened? So, where yeah did you go then? I
1: still, and, and why I was doing martial arts, I was uh, I was into sort of like weight training, weightlifting, bodybuilding, powerlifting, etc. Okay functional training whatever
0: that right. means but, but more of the martial arts style right where it's sort of maybe you're not lifting too heavy weights kind of kind of bruce lee style or, or what
1: no it was no it was, it was it was weight training it was just like real bog standard like weight training like okay. bodybuilding style actually okay uh that i enjoyed doing in my younger days
2: uh-huh.
1: then i got into so i was like then i went to university while i was doing my martial arts i was at university i went to university relatively late Mm-hmm. I went to university in my, I was about 23,
2: mm-hmm.
1: 24, about 23. and That's a four-year program in London.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what got me into the massage. Then I was doing hands-on work. So now I was training people while mm-hmm. I was in college
2: mm-hmm.
1: and massaging, stretching people. Mm-hmm. So that was like, I was thinking about this as I was like
0: learning formally through college. So why massage? Were you just instantly drawn to it in college or?
1: Not really. I remember when I was uh, in college and uh, we had a massage class.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and you could tell like half the people in the class were very uncomfortable like massaging another guy's hand you could people were just like sweaty and a lot of people were very uncomfortable touching people yeah I, I didn't care like it didn't play, i i didn't have a problem with it but like half the program dropped out as soon as that class come wow. on like that they just they just couldn't handle and but I, I i was drawn to it and then yeah. Then that became my, my job. While I was at college, I was a massage therapist in London, and I was working. Um, and my massage uh, practice really put me through college financially. It helped me a lot.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I was uh, doing that. And when I finished, then we got into the stretching. I was, I was doing a lot of stretching in London. I trained with a guy who um, – the clinic was a, it's called, called Stretched. Therapy, it was called, no, what was it called? It was called Stretch, Stretch UK. It was an AIS clinic. Okay. AIS is uh, active isolated stretching. And the owner of that company uh, knew Aaron, Aaron Mattis in okay. Florida, who's like the master blaster, so to right, speak. Right, right, right. And he would, he would send me to Sarasota a couple of times a year to intern with Aaron.
0: Oh, wow. So, so okay. So, so I was,
1: and that, that was probably, man, I'm, that was like 15, 16 years ago. So I was lucky enough to spend weeks and weeks and weeks with Aaron, and that's what got me into the flexibility from a hands-on modality as opposed to like a martial arts modality. Uh-huh,
2: uh-huh. And
1: from that, that's when I started piecing like how to do this stuff yourself as a as a martial artist or as, as a, a trainer, right? And how to do it your how to help someone as a, a clinician uh-huh. as, a, as a session. Uh-huh. So that's really what got me going down this path, I guess.
0: So that's how, kind of how you ended up. Uh, being in Florida now. Is that why you just kind of were flying back back and forth from England to Florida?
1: Pretty much. I mean, yeah, I spent probably, I probably spent two months with Aaron over the course of mm-hmm. that time. Like, and and so what's,
0: what's Aaron's approach? What is, what is his?
1: Aaron's, Aaron does something called active isolated stretching, which basically re, uh, uses reciprocal inhibition. And he'll, he'll, he'll hold each stretch for two seconds. So, for example, if you're stretching a hamstring,
2: mm-hmm.
3: the
1: client will lift their leg themselves. When they get to the end of their passive range of motion or their active range of motion, he'll do a slight overpressure. Hold okay. one, two,
0: repeat. Right. Hold so that's kind, that's kind of what they teach, like athletic trainers in college here in the States and stuff. It's sort of that where, like you said, you're just, you know, you're having the client also work, right? And, or push against, you're saying, also. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an
0: active form of stretching with a bit of a pa-
1: – well, it's, it's, it's passive because the, cl- the therapist does it. But the, the, the client is always trying to help using the, the antagonistic tissue, so the, the shortening tissue. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So
1: if no one's ever took his class, they should definitely take his class if available.
0: Where does, does he teach in Florida still, or where?
1: He's getting old now, and I don't think his he, his health is as good as it once was. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he still teaches in Sarasota, I believe. Sarasota, and there's other people who teach his method around the country as well.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. good, re- really good. Yeah, yeah. So to just to go back, so when you were um, back in England, so you were working a massage therapist, and you were doing. So that's sort of around the time you started. You stopped doing martial arts. Yeah, you started. No, that getting, was
1: before. Uh, no, that was a bit before. I you was working as a massage therapist when I was about 24, 25. Okay. Because I was at college when I was 23 mm-hmm. till I was 28.
0: So you were just kind and of figuring I'm... shit out then huh? at that time. Trying to, right? So, <laughs> so I'm kind of I'm kind of imagining. So was it kind of like a, a Green Streets uh, hooligans kind of uh, lifestyle? You know what I mean? E- exactly <laughs> that. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what, that. Your, did you have a football team that you follow or what?
1: Yeah, my team weren't very good. It was a team called QPR. We were like a... Well, back when I was a kid, we was a good team, but we weren't like a great team.
0: Uh-huh,
2: uh-huh.
1: Um, but no, <laughs> we're not. We're not too great right now. We haven't been good for like twenty years.
0: And you were in London. you were, I mean, you grew up. Yeah, yeah, in London yeah, south wow. of London. Oh, yeah, wow, southwest wow, wow. London. Okay. Have you been over there? No, mate. No, I gotta go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was pretty. I mean, pretty central, really, like the south of London, but very close to like city of London on the tube, like half an hour on the tube.
0: Yeah. Do you miss it much? Nah. Nah. <laughs> I,
1: miss, I miss the people and stuff here and there and I miss going out to do like English things like go to a game, go Have to the pubs. Yeah. But uh, not really. I went through phases of being homesick. Yeah. But now nah man and it, it's kind of spooky.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like not to be homesick. Yeah. So what was your next kind of uh, you know reinvention after you know martial arts and getting a massage? What'd you get into next? Well, then, once I got into the massage, I trained in a I trained in university at
1: college. Mm-hmm. Then i have done a couple of seminars at a school called the London School of Sports Massage,
0: just mm-hmm. to top up my credits. And then the stretching with Aaron. So you already had a lot of hours doing massage. You had you must by that time.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it because at, at university level,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I'd done a degree called Sports Rehabilitation and Injury Prevention, which is a four year program.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like massage therapy doesn't require that many hours. So so when I moved to America, for example, mm-hmm. um, I was talking to one of my mentors, Eric, Eric Dorton, and he was saying you might have a hard time with the license here because it's so convoluted. Yeah. But to be honest, like I, I got really lucky. I contacted a guy here in Miami and I sent him all my transcripts and he arranged it. So I arrived and I, I did, I think, 16 hours of education. I did like... HIV and AIDS, HIV, AIDS and ethics,
2: mm-hmm.
1: hydrotherapy, and local law. That's mm-hmm. all I had to do. Then I sat my, my, uh, my national test, and then that was it. I had my massage license, yeah. in, in, and it took no time at all. Because I think they, they, they saw I had so many credits from London. They like, just gave me all, all the credits I needed for my, my massage license in the yes. U.S.,
0: Plus, it was a university, so it's kind of, you know, whereas here a lot of it's just schools, right? It's not really university credit stuff.
1: Yeah, maybe it's a higher level. I don't know. I mean, well, mm-hmm. no, I got lucky, so that I found that very easy. And then i was retrained as a, a personal trainer here. I've mm-hmm. done my um, NS, NS, NSA, NS, CSCS.
0: Yeah there's there's so many letters now I don't even fucking know which yeah, one it is yeah. and, and I'm <laughs> dyslexic so all I know I've, per- I've become a personal trainer so so basically
1: me being a massage therapist and a trainer yeah. allowed me to do my job that I did in England I was allowed to touch people and tell people what to do
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's
1: exercise wise so I was I was basically just I migrated my knowledge base from the UK from my degree program to here yeah. but I just trained under the guise of what I under the guise of massage therapy
0: and uh personal training how much how much do you feel like you've and i mean university is great and i think when you're a young person you know i think you you learn you know you you have it's sort of for me it was sort of a time to kind of discover yourself you know i don't i don't know if it's you learn all the best techniques for stuff and all the best you know i mean you know i did a kinesiology you know degree and i mean some stuff i learned was just completely fucking useless Mm. (laughs) you know what i mean and i mean so I started looking out and kind of, you know, finding my own way and finding my own stuff. I mean, what was your, so Aaron Matty was kind of your thing.
1: You, well, my, yeah, my first ever actual massage training mm-hmm. uh, happened in Thailand. Oh wow! I was in Thailand when I was about 21, 22. Oh, so this is
0: before university before university well, yeah hold on we got off on the wrong foot here you got to tell me this story how did you end yep. up in thailand at 21
1: <laughs> i was just like backpacking i was like right i'm gonna go backpacking for a year oh me and
0: a friend okay maybe i was
1: bit 21 22 and it was like, okay let we, and we plotted up on a map where we was gonna go and the plus the first port of call was thailand okay and that's when I was, I was i was into thai boxing as well through the martial arts i wanted to go there and see how they trained and all Rain that Street's sort
0: of stuff. i got you man I got
1: you. <laughs> And I was on, and like me and my friend, we were just drinking. We were just being like British idiots abroad, basically. And we we're just having fun. We're doing nothing cultural, we're just we're going to a few monasteries, but we're just like moving around the, the country. Okay. And then we got to Kopang Yang, which is on the, the southern eastern border or the southern eastern area of Thailand. Yeah. And I was on the beach, and a woman kept coming up to me and saying, Hey, do you want a massage? I was like, No, no. Every day, do you want a ma-? I was like, Go on then. <laughs> and I put my arm out As she started doing Thai massage in my arm I was like fuck man
2: this is it that's good
1: <laughs> and I was walking home and there was a there was a WAP PO and it said massage training starting next week went in there spoke to this little Thai guy like three foot tall said, yeah we started next week we, there's only that like, two people signed up I said great how much is it and it was like nothing it was like a couple of hundred bucks yeah and I stayed there for like I think it was 200 hours I think
0: how long did it take you to do that in Thailand about
1: two 200 hours i was there for about 200 hours the training was so it's about a month or so it was pretty intense it was like so
0: you just live in thailand for a whole month
1: i was in thailand for probably closer to two months in the end actually wow wow just traveling around
0: that's a but the training
1: took about a month
0: that's awesome and that
1: gave me like that thing of massage was like a legitimate real modality because i've never really had a massage before never didn't understand it and then I've just done the training. So that
0: was the spark, kind of, in Thailand. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then after the, the travel, we went. We ended up in Australia and uh, the US, actually, the last place. And I was looking at universities. I thought when I got back to England, I thought I'm not going to go back and be a Green Street hooligan. I'm going to find. <laughs> I'm going to find a, like, try and do some further education. And that's when I applied for university uh-huh. while I was in. Um, I think I might have been in LA when I was doing that actually, but bizarrely enough. I think it was on in, in LA. I, I
0: thought it was your first trip here when you guys came out on you. No,
1: I was in LA. I was in some dorm and I was on something called it's called UCAS.
0: Okay. UCAS
1: is um it's called UCAS Clearing. It's where you apply for universities after the fact. Like they let like the brainy kids in first, mm-hmm. then the dregs like me sneak in the back door.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I snuck into a programme and it was like That was it, man. I remember once, like, and I went back, and you don't get accepted immediately. mm. I was working with my uncle. He was paying me like 30 pounds a day to carry bricks up ladders all day. So you
2: you, you have
1: this, it's called a hod. Okay. You put the hod on your shoulder, and it's like a small box, and you basically put bricks in it, Mm -hmm. and you walk up the ladder, give the guy the bricks, walk back down. Repeat. Repeat. (laughs) And it's all day, all day. And... um, my phone rang, and it was the university coordinator, um, the, the course coordinator. Yeah. She said, oh, "We've seen your program. Uh, we want you to. We're going to provisionally give you a place on the course because um, I, I had no real formal education. I, I didn't really. Like, I didn't. I want not like a superstar student, but the fact that I was a mature student had some experience mm-hmm. is how I kind of got in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She said, oh, "We need to invite you for an interview, and if you do an interview, you're in."
0: I said to my uncle won't be in tomorrow. <laughs> Did you drop that fucking hot on the on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> and I never
1: went back, thank god. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, university, man. But no, it's really the time massage in Thailand that really
0: opened my eyes to this could be a, a thing. Yeah, like, and ongoing. so you know there's there's so many spots in LA that are a Thai massage or even just across the country. I mean, and the, What's the, you know, how is Thai massage different from other massages, you know, from Swedish massage or Russian massage? What's the, what would you say is a big difference?
1: Thai massage, they don't tend to use as much oil. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like a, a sliding massage. It's more pressure. So they'll use like, um, they'll lean into a, a body part using their, their palms, their knuckles, their fingers, their thumbs, their instruments. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, it's more sustained pressure. And then they move up the, the meridians and down the meridians and across the body
0: mm-hmm.
1: with a lot of uh, stretching as well.
0: So they, they follow start, the meridians. That's kind of also they, yeah, they, yeah.
1: And when they map those those meridians, they follow like the acupuncture lines, and they follow the trigger points, and they tr- follow these things. But they, no one knew this. But they, that's how they seem to work. Right. So there was maybe some ancient wisdom somewhere that they all these things tend to. Same with the anatomy <laughs> trains. They all kind of intertwine and with the, the meridian
0: lines and this stuff right so. right wow the meridians yeah i don't, I don't know I mean, how much of that stuff you think is legitimate you know and not to say because i think everything is legitimate everything has some truth to it too you know it's just i don't know i've gotten some acupuncture treatments and sometimes they're great sometimes they're you know it's a hit or a miss for me
1: yeah like a lot of the meridian points from mm-hmm. I, i'm not a meridian point expert that's for sure but a lot of the points coincide with like Travel and Simmons trigger points, and a lot of those trigger points, like for example, I think in the leg, there's a, a point called Spleen Five that's near the VMO.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: that happens to be that happens to be around about the point of the uh, it's called the adductor hiatus, where you have a big opening, a big foramen, a big bun, a big nerve, a big vessel, mm-hmm. a big lump of fascia. So when someone pushes on it, is that a meridian? Is it a trigger point? Is it that? hiatus but mm, like, mm. it, it, it's funny that it's all kind of in the same spot
0: you mm-hmm. know what i mean so it could be just a, a semantics kind of thing too they're going on right they could be talking about the same thing um mm-hmm. but using different words It's kiki hey kiki say hello <laughs> how we doing <laughs> it's kiki's birthday it's your birthday today
3: Happy yeah. birthday! You're interrupting my birthday celebration. Oh my god, I had no idea. I'm this just a... kidding.
0: So hold on. So you're a Leo. You're a Leo. I'm a Leo. Everybody's a Leo. Huh? Huh? Oh
1: wow,
3: that's crazy. Get the fuck out of here. I had no idea.
1: No, no wonder we get on so well.
0: <laughs> oh, crazy! What you guys gonna do for your birthday today?
3: Just go out for dinner.
0: Just go out for dinner. Chill. Things yeah. are open in Florida, huh? Ish. 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 Masks, kind yeah. of
3: thing. Yeah. Outside.
0: Yeah. Masks. But gyms are out, open, um, eh?
3: Yeah, you have to work out with a
0: mask, though. Oh, you guys are lucky. They fucking closed everything down here. Everything. Oh, really? Everything. They reclosed the gyms. Everything, Ouch. dude. Everything. I mean, they have like bars open outside, but nobody's going. It's just weird. Can you
1: go and walk out in the park?
0: Yeah, but, but you know, for a while there, they were like, if you go to a, par- a major park, they have cops sitting out there, like making sure I don't know what they're making sure of, but they're just sitting out there watching everybody. Oh, it's weird times, man. I don't know. I think I'm moving to Florida, guys. Yeah, <laughs> come, come to Florida, man. <laughs> Do I don't know. California is going <laughs> fucking nuts lately. Oh, man. Well, I heard a lot of
1: people are leaving California right now.
0: Lots, yeah, yeah, Well, lots. I heard
3: also that they're doing um, power shutdowns.
0: Is uh, that true? Oh, you're saying like if the people are having parties. Yeah, how fucking stupid yeah. is that, huh? Yeah, they said, they're said that if, they're having, if somebody is having like a big gathering at a house, they're going to shut down the, power, the water and power.
3: Yeah, but I, I was hearing on the NPR that they're doing like um, actual power shutdowns to try to save power and all this crap in California. Well, thank
0: God I haven't experienced so, that yeah. yet, but I haven't heard that. I don't know. You know, I try to stay as That's far crazy. as I can from the news and all that, too, by the way. Yeah. So, good. I don't this is live on the podcast, by the way. Oh, good. Yeah, cool. it's going to be time. great. It's fun yeah. time. That's Kiki, right. t- tell <laughs> Kiki, you got a minute or no? Yeah,
3: no, that ha- was Danny's phone. How'd you meet Danny? How'd I meet Danny? I met Danny through a mutual friend that okay. did acro yoga oh. with him and then and i was doing yoga teacher certification with
0: her okay nice so and she introduced us and so you guys started doing acro yoga together
3: yeah not really Dang, dang look. <laughs> but no we didn't we not, we were once ever.
1: or twice we can't do it together <laughs> yeah i like i'm pretty good oh you do good. that
0: thing that couples do like oh fuck what the fuck are you doing god damn it right <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> no
1: can't do acro. we no, we don't it just i just can't do it it just don't work
0: oh yeah. you mean you don't like acro or what
1: no, I do, but I just when we're doing it together, it's like when you dance with a you have a partner you can dance with one you can't. We would,
3: be, we would go to the park, and be like, "Okay, here's your acro partner. I'll be going there Talk with my know, acro are you,
0: partner." Are you one of those couples? I see. Like you yeah. work out separately. You
3: <laughs> There's some things we were good at, uh-huh. but like standing stuff and like handstand on his arms or whatever. Or showing
0: demonstrations um, at your uh, seminars, right?
3: Well, yeah, exactly.
0: it's the best.
3: it's been what, like three years since we've done acro
0: probably uh kind of yeah 3 years what oh but Doesn't i see you, that last thing.
3: yeah
0: so you're just mostly into into uh is ke- mostly into kettlebells and what are you training like these
3: yeah days? me i just do weights and yoga weights and yoga yeah
0: Easy Pretty stuff. good though weights and yoga Pretty- <laughs>
3: <laughs> he only he only does kettlebells and clubbells
0: that's about Indian it clubs.
3: Indian clubs. club though, well, Okay,
0: we'll weight, get, we'll get into that training. we'll get into that
3: I'll let you fellas keep talking all right thank you, thank nice you. happy you. birthday mm-hmm. enjoy your day
0: thank you <laughs> okay boss where are we at? back yes uh where were we at
1: I uh, think um well like the whole Thailand thing and training Masa- uh doing the stretching and then I'm um, yeah, I worked in a bunch of clinics in London. Mm-hmm. I worked at a couple of soccer clubs in London.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I got the opportunity to move here. And it's like, okay, let's go for two years and see what happens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was uh, 12 years ago.
0: 12 years ago. And you moved straight to Miami? Straight to Miami,
1: yeah, from London. <laughs> from the southwest of London to Miami. That's a bit of a difference.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a big difference, man. <laughs> a big difference.
1: I'm, and I'm, I'm American now, pretty much. So I have an American passport.
0: You got your passport now. You got your dual, mm. huh? Nice. Me too, man. Yeah, yeah represent. Yeah, so, yeah. that's always I, good. I mean, this, this is home now, so yeah. I'm not
1: going back anytime soon.
0: Well, if shit goes wrong, you can always go back to you have a passport, right? <laughs> I don't know,
1: shit's, shit's going bad over there as well, though. I think, I, I think people think it's an American thing. I think there's a lot of stuff going bad in a yeah. lot of
0: places. So Yeah, man. You have to pick your base and just see it out and see what happens. Yeah, I guess where shit goes worse first, that's where you, you'll, you'll avoid. Me too, man.
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: exactly. so so, and when you moved to the states, where did um you know we started doing massage therapy, you started doing stretching yeah training. so yeah,
1: yeah that that's what, so i got my so i got my massage license and mm-hmm. I got my personal training license mm-hmm. but it, that took a cup that took about eight weeks or whatever, twelve weeks maybe okay, so in between then like i was i couldn't do anything mm-hmm. so I, I i found a job actually working in a very small gym here that was like um you didn't need a qualification. Well, in my in the US, the whole gym qualification is a bit weird. Like, there's no, there's no you don't need to be a qualified personal trainer to be a professional trainer. <laughs> so I worked in a training gym and they insured me and they certified me. Yeah. So it, it allowed me to work.
0: Yeah. In America, so, um, it's all about insurance. I mean, basically, it's just it's all exactly. about insurance. You could be yeah. the worst fucking trainer ever, not knowing what you're doing, but if you pass that whatever certificate that the gym can use to give you an insurance card or whatever exactly you're good and so exactly and that's
1: pretty much like what happened but it was kind of a good experience because i got to work with american people in america Mm
0: -hmm. and just to see
1: the vibe because i was used in training in england with english people and there was a certain way of doing things Mm -hmm. and i was training in this little gym and i stayed there i actually ended up staying there for about two or three months maybe even four Mm -hmm. and earning no money of course like 15 16 bucks a session but it was just in a good experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And from that, from that working in that gym, one of the clients, who's still my client today, um, said her husband has a hip issue and he needs to be massaged and he needs to be stretched. Can I do it? I was like, yeah. And he would come to my house and I'd work on him. And then he would have a friend. Hey, can you work this? Can you work on my friends? So and now I've got two clients coming to the house. Mm-hmm. Then I left that, that gym job and I went to another gym job. And I worked there for a year, and it kind of like the massage thing just kind of snowballed. Mm-hmm. So then I, was, I, I stopped training people. I was just doing purely hands on therapy. Okay. And I had no gym. And I was, I was pretty much full time within about six months. I was seeing like 20, 25 people at home.
0: So just and word like, of mouth. You must be good. Just,
1: yeah, just, I just met two or three good people, you know what I mean? And yeah. them two or three people send you two or three people, and then that's, mm-hmm. how, that's how it works.
0: Yeah, for for some massage therapists, it's kind of hard, right? I think they, they end up in um, big massage. Um, what do you call them? Places where you get massage, you know, like uh, you know saunas yeah, like a spa or spa, you get burned stu- out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's gonna take a big cut out of there, don't they?
1: But also, but what happened? What was good for me? Mm-hmm. Like, so I was seeing clients who would come to me for a low back pain, for example, and I was doing my soft tissue work, and I was getting them to do some activation drills, and just getting them moving a little bit in mm-hmm. this small room. I was like, listen, like, you're good. Like, we can keep, keep doing the, the neuromuscular work, the mouth work, the stretching, mm-hmm. and keep doing, like, the rehab, but you need to train. Mm-hmm. Let, I'll find you someone. Okay. Ask around. Couldn't find anyone. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. So mm-hmm. now we're doing, like, strength training. We mm-hmm. just need to train, but we need to treat you well because you've still got issues. So we need to train. And that happened with three or four clients. Like, now you're good. You just need to train. Right like, now – You've got no problems. We're just going to lift weights. I'll find someone.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Couldn't find anyone. So now I've got clients today that have been through that whole process with me, and I still see them two or three days a week now. I've got five clients now, six clients today, not right today, but this week, who I've been seeing for 12 years. And they've all started with me soft tissue work, rehab, activation stuff, Mm -hmm. corrective stuff, functional Mm -hmm. stuff, and now it's just an amalgamation of all. They train
0: yeah yeah so uh, eventually beginning it was like uh you know with your clients it seems like so your your initial you know kind of go-to was like Thai massage and stuff that you learned in university right Thai
1: massage massage general like deep tissue like sports massage neuromuscular work and mm -hmm. and flexibility training Mm -hmm. table table
0: flexibility work Mm -hmm. so have you ever gone beyond that learning other things that you've kind of implemented in your own work yeah, what are a lot some good, like good places.
1: Like I studied with um Eric Dalton, who does a lot of uh he has a, a technique called myoskeletal alignment. Mm-hmm. I learned a bunch from him, a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh then there was Aaron of course. Um, and in the strength training world, I tra- I done seminars with Paul Check. Nice. I did stuff with Pavel. Tatsulin. Yeah, that's all in. <laughs> I did stuff with Eric Cressy, Mike Boyle. Okay. Um, then I did stuff in like the yoga world. Yeah. And that was, that's what got me kind of thinking about this like stuff. Like, They all sound the same thing.
2: They mm-hmm. all sound
1: the same thing. Get people strong, get them a little bit flexible and let them move in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. It's just you use a kettlebell, he uses a TRX, he uses a club, he does body weight, he trains heavy, he doesn't. But they're all trying to achieve the same common goal. But we all use different language. And mm-hmm. I think that's what people are trying to do. They try and make this mysterious elixir that is a kettlebell
2: yeah
1: or or whatever it it is but it's all kind of the same and now that's the way i kind of look at it. it's all we're all trying to achieve the same thing it's just you try you use what you like i use what i like but it it shouldn't be what i like it should be what's good for the client Mm -hmm, so -hmm. sometimes i do stuff with a client and they're like this is boring i'm like pretty much yeah it's pretty boring yeah it's like (laughs) it's 10 sets of six slow that's kind of boring (laughs) but it's it's like
2: back
3: pain is not fun so
1: yeah yeah so yeah Yeah. i I try and use a very very array of like stuff that i've learned from rehab people strength training people and the whole massage world yeah
0: because when i'm at the seminar i remember you mentioned you just mentioned boyle and um i remember you guys talking about this kind of joint by joint theory which i don't know if he created it but he certainly talks about it right
1: yeah i think him and Gray cook Oh, great cool' that's, yeah, the that's their brainchild, yeah. Functional, FMS, FMS, functional right. movement systems, yeah. Yeah, and I, I did that training too as well, by the way. Yeah. And and that, and that again, is just, is it the best? Who knows? Is it the worst? Definitely not. But it yeah. gives you a roadmap for sure.
0: Yeah, but like you said, it gives you that theory that you, know, you can find other places too, which is that joint-by-joint joint kind of idea. Um, mm. Could you explain that little idea? So the joint-by-joint joint theory suggests that the body is a stack of joints
1: that alternate between the need for mobility and stability. So, for example, the, the big toe needs to be pretty mobile. needs a lot of flex. So people tend to have stiff toes. Mm-hmm. The midfoot should be pretty stable. So when people train, they tend to have real flat feet or they overpronate or oversupinate. Mm-hmm. The ankle, we should have a lot of dorsi plantar flexion, inversion, eversion of the taylor crawl, the ankle joint. But people tend to lose the ability to dorsiflex. Mm-hmm. The knees should be somewhat stable. You don't want people with really like loose knees. The hips will be very mobile. So we need nice mobile hips. So we can lunge, squat, jump, twist, turn, etc. The lumbar spine should be relatively stable. But people always want to stretch their lower back because they've probably got stiff hips. Right. The T-spine, the thoracic spine, should be very mobile, it should have a lot of flexion, extension, and rotation. People tend to get stiff there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, st- the um the shoulder should be a mobile joint. Elbow should be stable. Wrist should be mobile.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: upper neck, the lower neck should be stable. The upper neck should be mobile. But what happens with people who move really badly or move irregularly or have pain, that mobile, stable will flip-flop. So they'll have a really stiff ankle, for example. And when they squat, they go into this big valgus collapse or their knees are all over the place.
2: Mm-hmm. So they're
1: violating those rules. So that can present as knee pain back pain Mm -hmm. um so people with stiff ankles tend to move too much through their their knees for example when they squat and you probably see all the time when people squat they they dive in right that's normally
0: an ankle or hip issue normally so it's just areas of stiffness and mobility you know and 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 so because you know initially when you talk to like if you talk to somebody that just experienced back pain or has never done anything for it i mean Like you said, the first thing they want to do is stretch it out more. And they want to more. And you and I've met... And I've worked with some yogis, you know. And some of these yogis, I mean, they have constant shoulder pain and constant lower back pain. And, you know, I've told them, like, maybe you're a bit too flexible. And Mm. there's no way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They They don't exist. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's certainly... With your experience, you think that's... I mean, that exists, you know, if you're maybe overdoing it?
1: Yeah, and what tends to happen, like, if you have a really mobile lower back for example and you have a not so mobile t-spine and you're doing say back bridges
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you can do a really good back bridge really good but you might be getting too much from one area
0: mm-hmm.
1: so the lumbar spine is doing too much and the t-spine is not doing enough
0: mm-hmm. so and you're then, saying like maybe the shoulders are not open enough because the upper back is less flexible but the but the lower back is more flexible so you end up just kind of you know using your lower back to get that back bend versus exactly. Letting your exactly the, exactly so they get into the position but they're not, they're not using their
1: whole array of mobility. They tend to focus on one piece. And you see that all the time with uh, – even with weightlifters, you see the way they tend to move when they're training. They overuse certain pieces of their body and underuse others.
2: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: And that's, that's common, and that's <clears throat> weakness as well. A lot yeah. of yogis – are very weak in certain areas as well
0: yeah so it's uh, not just combined. About, yeah yeah sorry it's just not it's not only about just getting more flexible getting more stretched out getting more mm-hmm. in ve- re- in- regularly it's not that it's very yeah. rarely that actually like i i especially
1: women tend to gravitate towards yoga pilates dance
0: yeah men tend to gravitate towards kettlebells weightlifting. yeah well, unless they're uh, vegan and live in California. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: But, but I say to my male guys, I mess with them, I say, look, man,
0: men should train like women
1: and women should train like men.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, like, I say the same thing, men, actually, yeah.
1: <laughs> like, like if Kiki, for example, does a lot of yoga, she's super bendy, she'll start getting very loose and she'll start experiencing certain issues.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: she trains like real heavy, real slow, real boring, like five sets of five, three or four exercises, she's good. Yeah. So some some people need that inherent stiffness back, but they, they don't because we women loose flexible women are normally pretty bad at weight training. So they do yoga because they're the best in the class, and right. men do powerlifting, weightlifting because so they're strong and they do double bodyweight deadlifts, but mm-hmm. they, they suck at yoga. So we should do what we suck at.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've said, recommended the same thing. Because, you know, it's it's tough for people to figure it out sometimes. Because I think sometimes people have the best intention. Like maybe their hips hurt and they start stretching them. And I mean, I've met guys who can, you know, and I, I can do, you know, like a front splits too. But I've had moments where it seems like, man, maybe this is too much. Maybe, I I, I don't know how useful this is, you know, besides yeah. being able to be like Jean-Claude Van Damme and kick guys on the think fucking I, head. I think
1: it depends what you do, right? it depends what your sport is and depends how you train. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like if you need that range of motion and you're using it in your practice, then yeah, you should have it. But if, 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 and it depends what you're dealing with. Like if, if you've got like severe low back pain and you want to do the splits, maybe one, maybe you shouldn't want to be doing the splits if you've got <laughs> a real bad back. You know what I mean? There's no re doing the splits. is not going to say cure you of back pain. You know what I mean? Right. Like people think, flexibility is like be all and end all
2: mm-hmm. and
1: it, it's, a, it's a big chunk of, of training for sure
2: mm-hmm. but
1: it's not it's not the only piece right i, I think it's not the only
0: piece there's, so that's there's many why, pieces yeah that's what you have such a great approach i think because again you're able to it takes a real good eye and a good trainer to kind of recognize when like hey maybe this is too much stretching you know because if you're locked into one of those boxes like the yoga box or the weightlifting box you know you think Mm. just train it out or just stretch it out and you never kind of hear the other like hey like maybe you should be trying something else you know
1: well like i spoke to um well i didn't speak to her directly but one of my clients spoke to their pilates teacher Mm -hmm. and she said lifting weights is bad (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i'm like it's still around
0: huh
2: wow
1: i said ask her why and it's bad for your back apparently so it's like people like it's just it's not bad for her back it's bad it might be bad for your back Mm -hmm. and but you can't put a blanket statement lifting weights is bad it's just so dumb but people say that because they don't know
0: yeah yeah because
1: they might they might think of lifting weights as that that jerk off in the gym who does really bad form Mm -hmm. yeah that might be bad but (laughs) if you lift weights correctly it's actually probably one of the best things you can do for your body
2: Yeah. yeah
1: for many reasons metabolic reasons physical reasons mental reasons
0: mm-hmm. flexibility
1: reasons strength reasons
0: mm-hmm.
1: so yeah th- those generic statements are, are strange and i hear them all the time
0: yeah but. and it might be bad for your back at this moment in time maybe yeah. you fix yourself up and maybe in a year maybe you should be lifting more weights right yeah. yeah
1: i think ultimately all my clients they all lift weights
0: so yeah. ideally eventually they all do some sort of weight training so it's just a goal and i mean that could do it. so what kind of you know what kind of exercise do you do with your clients is it weight training do you body weights kettlebells what kind of things do you use
1: oh oh like so all my clients mm-hmm. well they'll well or they'll i'll try to get them using body weight initially mm-hmm. then i'll progress them through some barbell kettlebell dumbbell indian club stuff depends on how much they want to learn like i have like Clients who want to do, they don't want to learn.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I'll have a client, and I'll, I'll teach him a new kettlebell clean,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he won't get it first time. I'm like no worries, he won't get it. He's like, oh, come on, I'm done. I'm like, you're done already. <laughs> two reps. Like did you expect to get in two reps? It took me two weeks. Yeah. So, but some, but some clients don't want to learn.
2: They yeah. Want
1: to, want to learn a new move. They want to get hot and they want to get sweaty, and burn calories, and that's okay too. But then I have a bunch of clients who want to learn. So they'll spend an hour learning yeah. a new Indian club routine. Yeah. Um, so I think – and I don't force my clients to always learn something new. Mm-hmm. But once a week, I'll throw something them that they haven't done before
0: mm-hmm. for sure, like whether it be a new pattern or a new pattern of movement, um, mm-hmm. just to keep them focused. Yeah, because I, I get where they're coming from because I, I've also certainly been guilty of this too where I've had overcomplicated clients training programs you know you like try to teach a you know a 45 year old guy that's like fucking stressed out and going through a divorce you know try to teach him like a snatch <laughs> you
2: Yeah, know? yeah.
0: and he's like dude just you know i just want to work out and go home you know take a take get some tea and go to sleep you know
1: yeah and that's okay too but because right like the client doesn't have to snatch right we don't have to have clients snatching but uh it's a good goal mm-hmm. but i think that that comes with like your experience right knowing when to Spend some time really coaching details as opposed to, hey man, just let this guy do push up squats and jump up and down for half an hour, I'm getting really tired and. He's, he's happy. Yeah. So
0: yeah. There's, there's a. Because you I like every
1: workout has to be perfect.
0: Yeah. Because I'll see trainers all the time, you know, you can kind of look at their clients in their face and they're just like, what the fuck am I doing here? You yeah. And they're know, just bored. It, well, or, or, or they're overcomplicated and they're bored because yeah. it's like, you know, like just the other day I saw, like, you know, a guy laying on the floor. He had one leg. Tied to a, a rubber, you know, a, a rubber resistance band that was tied against the door. With the other hand, he was holding a kettlebell, and so he would do one-handed kind of bench press with a kettlebell, and the knee would come up. And yeah, I have no idea what it was. At, at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, at the same time. Yeah. And it was only it was unilateral, you know. So maybe the guy's thinking, oh well, you know, I'm training one-sided. And again, there, there's there's a time and a place for those weird things, but you know, I just looked at the guy's face, and I could tell he was just like what am I doing? You know, I mean, yeah, but
1: yeah, I think, I think people like, like you, I see this a lot. I've been seeing this a lot lately. mm -hmm. People doing an exercise, whatever, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. for example, uh, but they'll add a band to it. (laughs)
0: Like something different. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Like I saw a guy the other day with a band around his chest and around his arms and he was abducting his arms a bit doing arm curls. I'm like, (laughs) and people thought it was cool but I was like they don't like like, yeah it might get your delts a bit more tied but like was it worth the hassle getting that belt like over your arms oh, to push yeah. your arms out against a two pound band Yeah, but man. it looked cool
0: because people
1: were like whoa that's cool <laughs>
0: Like it's not dumb. Yeah, it's that Tim yeah. Ferriss sort of saying that Tim Ferris said, you know, some people, you know, they want to put their underwear outside of their pants. You know, just <laughs> no, there's, there's, you know, there's no reason for it, but just because it's different, you know. And
1: yeah. <laughs> and I think sometimes clients they want to do a variation, but you need to know what a good like sideways move is for a split squat. You don't yeah. have to do a split squat with a band
0: wrapped around your neck and pulling it. This
2: yeah.
1: There's yeah. other
0: ways of making it cool without being stupid. <laughs> But I mean do you think there's definitely I think there's definitely value in learning things you know physical wise because I mean just every day you know and I don't know your your new iPhone update comes out and you know you got to figure out something new and learn something new I feel like we're learning small little tasks every day that are you know digestible I don't know you learn you get a new espresso machine you learn how to pull an espresso or whatever but I feel like with with physical stuff we don't do much of that anymore yeah and like you said then there's the other side of that where people just want to go to the gym and do the yeah. same you know three sets of bench press 15 you know then pull downs three sets there then squats three sets there and they just do that over and over yeah. and over and over again for years yeah
1: and i mean that has some merits to it as well right but but i think every now and then you need to do an incline bench press if you're always doing flat you know what i mean <laughs> and that could be enough yeah that could be enough to yeah. warrant a change yeah. Yeah. People, but some people, like we said, like some people really don't want to use the bandwidth to learn a snatch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just want to. They want to just stick with doing shoulder presses. Yeah, they're overloaded. The they don't have
0: much space left at that point.
1: Yeah. And yeah. You guys... But that's how you. That, that that's that sign of a good coach. You can like, like, I've got a client in particular who hates learning new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, he don't hate. He hates learning new stuff that he can't get immediately. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> But what I'll do with this. this particular guy i'll train him and he trains very hard i'll get him very tired so he he's like he's he's done his work he's good he's burnt he's 300 calories he's happy mm-hmm. then i'll show him the new move mm-hmm. so hey man just do this do 10 reps see how just his rest no this is not the clock just just do 10
2: yeah and yeah.
1: then that so you, you sneak it in and the next week that you have it as his main workout yeah. he's already done it
0: yeah so you
1: gotta know your people and know when to sneak it in and when to not sneak it in
0: yeah. Another sign of a great coach. Yeah. I, I do the same things, you know, or sometimes I'll, I I just won't count reps, you know, and it's like, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try that. And then they don't even notice it because, you know, if I was just there standing, counting one, two, three, four. They'll get to twenty and they'll be like, "This is way too many reps," but they won't even notice it if I'm not counting. And they'll, yeah, they'll get yeah, to yeah. they get to doing forty, fifty reps, you know. And yeah, yeah that's another sign of a of a great coach, you know. Or, and uh, sometimes
1: I I use timed workouts a fair bit. If I'm training more than one person, mm-hmm. I, I generally use a, a timed based workout
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: just to, so I can coach better, and it, it cuts out the shit between the people. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm training, say, three people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I'm counting, who am I counting for? Are they going the same speed? So I'll do a timed workout, and then I don't have to uh, – it, it, it frees me up to, to coach, so to speak. So everybody's at their um, own space, place. Yeah, just yeah. Yeah, do your own speed, no rush. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've actually been doing more timed-based workouts lately, actually.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I, it gets better um, – for me, clients are more focused because they hear the beep, that's go. They hear the beep, that's stop.
2: Mm-hmm. So they're not
1: waiting for me to say stop or start. They – the, the bell tells them yeah um, but those workouts tend to be harder because you know as with clients they come in and they're like i'm ready and they go oh by the way uh did you see uh <laughs> did you watch the tunnel debate last night you're like you're, like, you're and, and they they, they want to but when the clock's running that they don't do that
0: it cuts that out
1: yeah cuts yeah. that
0: out yeah so when you get a new client um i mean if you were to get a new client what what would the session be like would you do stretching massage work at the beginning at the end what's your approach it depends it like uh, if if they if it was a new client for training
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it would be normally what I do I'll do a movement based assessment, go through like a history, see where they're at see, ask them about what they've done in the past what they want to do mm-hmm. when was the last time they trained I'll put them through like a, a movement assessment like an Fms sfMA type assessment
0: okay.
2: Sort and of then
1: your own variation
0: ask, on it too. You add some things, take some things out. A hybrid of,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it, I mean, it's basically, it's FMS and some of the SFMA. So the SFMA is for pain. So mm-hmm. if a client comes, so if you come to me and you say, I want to train, um, but I've got shoulder pain, I will do the SFMA assessment. So that tells me what we can do with you in a workout without aggravating your pain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The FMS is more for like capacity of movement, how good they move. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll do the, that screen and I'll, I'll take my notes. So based on what I find, I'll design a workout on the fly for them. So mm-hmm. let's say, so let's say they're good, they're, they they move okay, they have no real pain. I'll do a real basic workout. If they're like a real new to exercising, I'll have them do some RDL, some like kettlebell, not kettlebell swings, but just the pattern of hinging.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They'll do a set of ten. They'll do a t- set of squats, five push-ups, hold a plank, do some twisting stuff, and I'll do a couple of rounds and see how they feel. How does that feel? now oh, that's a killer. That's great. <laughs> and that's just, I say like, this is like the way we're going to train. Okay. The way I tend to train, we'll do, I tend to do two or three blocks of exercises, like an A and a B, mm-hmm. push, pull, leg dominant, or quad dominant, hip dominant,
2: mm-hmm. upper
1: body pull, upper body push, horizontal vertical, and then some core. So very Mike Boyle style, right? Yeah. Uh, and depending on how complex, or how fit they are, will be the exercises we put into those, 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 boxes and by the way start a client off with that type of session just to give them a sample how it's going to be and see if they like it and mm-hmm. most people love it because they've come from a really normal most people i've seen they've come from a real bodybuilding style of training where they do 10 curls yeah. three sets of 10 yeah then they sit there they do another 10 then they sit there
0: mm-hmm. then they go and do tricep it push down they do 10 yeah three sit th- there three, three sets of iphone chats you know text yeah yeah somewhere, if not and again that, that training
1: is okay sometimes but when they do this type of training and I call it, um, have you heard of Coach Dos? Roberto Coach das. Dos.
0: No, no, no.
2: Oh,
1: man, mm. you've got to check that guy out. Okay. I've I done a seminar with him. And I was always already doing this style of training, but he was like the master at it, mm-hmm. um, at, at program design. It's called Coach Dos, and he calls it cardio strength training. Okay, okay. So like I say to clients, like, this is your cardio, this is your strength training, this mm-hmm. is your flexibility, because they're just going from, boom, 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 heart rate's 110, have a rest, mm-hmm. boom, boom. So you So you've, meaning you've,
0: maybe you're doing like a set of, uh, I don't know, running or you're doing… Uh, you no, just... it'll
1: be like, for example, it'll be uh, a set of kettlebell swings, okay. 20, say. Then they'll go and do 20 push-ups. Okay. This is a fit client, and they'll do 18 swings, 18 mm-hmm. push-ups, 16 swings, 16 push-ups, and okay. we'll go down to 10. 10 so sort example. of a, okay, okay, descending like ladder, a ladder kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. descending ladder. Or, or, Oh yeah, and we do them like different way. It could be an ascending, a descending, or it can be six, four, two. M- many, many, many ways to do it, as you know. Mm-hmm. But it'd be something like that, more like cardio-based strength training.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and if, all my- if you had like a, tr- uh, a client that was just like, Danny, uh, I don't know, I have lower back pain. Uh, I want to get in better shape. Uh, you know, just if if you do whatever you want to do, how would you do it? So
1: if I have a client who comes in and they got low back pain, the session is gonna pretty look gonna look a bit similar. Mm-hmm. But it'll be slower. So we might do more warming up, more like pattern movement. So they'll do a lot of patterning. So they'll go through some lunging, some bending, some twisting with no weight, mm-hmm. sometimes slow, sometimes fast. And then they'll go in and do kettlebell training, but we're not bothered about the speed. So I'm not saying, hey, do 20, run over there and do 10 push-ups. Do right. 20, chill, stretch your hip flex for. for 10 seconds
0: so doing stretching cool. in between that was one thing that i i you know i had a, i was lucky enough to have a coach that was out was really young that was also big into flexibility not, not anything crazy but you know i would do a set of push-ups and then i would stretch my chest i would do yeah. something for my legs i would stretch my quads you know and you don't you definitely don't see that a lot again people fall into the category of either they stretch in those weird like dark rooms that they have in 24-hour <laughs> fitness you know yeah yeah or they're just yeah, working got, like, out
1: and like with us with our clients like we train with people who are time poor right so we need to densify their workout they've got an hour mm-hmm. we need to take a lot of stuff off the table
2: mm-hmm.
1: so like i've got a client now he'll do kettlebell swings and push-ups for example and as his rest period it's, it's ankle work go and do some dorsiflexion against the wall when mm-hmm. your heart rate comes back comes down come back so that's his rest but mm-hmm. like we're just trying to fill that hour with stuff i don't want to I don't want to sit there on his iPhone. Just If you've got an issue, let's walk on it as you're resting because you've got to rest anyway because your heart rate's at 131. Let's bring it down. Mm-hmm. But densify the workout. So I'm always trying to densify the workout. So it's not like 10, two-minute rest, 10, two-minute rest. Although sometimes I do do that because mm-hmm. I still think people need to lift heavy, lift slow, and sit down for two minutes in between sets. But that's a hard sell, actually.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have
1: to really com- convince clients to do that. Yeah. Is that, that I, I have a harder time doing that training with clients than than training we've just been talking about. Because
2: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. the clients are like, what's next, what's next, what's next? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> that's sit, that's sit hard for down. a lot of people. <laughs> nothing's next. Even minute rest. Nothing's next.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, want, they start jumping. Like, chill, man. It's like CrossFit. Like, yeah. relax.
0: And so where would you fit in, you know, if he, if the guy wanted to get some massage work or some stretching work, where would you fit that so in? So normally,
1: and- yeah. So if I'm doing, like, a session where I am in the gym uh-huh. – We might start off with some stretching on the table. So, me doing a five to eight minute stretch. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: Then we'll do an active warm up. Then they'll train. And we might finish off with another stretch or some sports, like post massage, Mm -hmm. like sports massage. So, that'd be at the same session. So, it's gym and and therapy work. Or it might be just that I might train a guy Monday, Wednesday it's on the table, Friday to the work mm-hmm. but sometimes i have clients come in and it's friday and it's a training day and they come in and they're like beat and i'm like oh, come on man mm-hmm. let's just let's just jump on the table today like you're done stretch yeah and it, and it would just be a stretch slash massage session yeah, yeah and you said so you i know, do a standalone session uh-huh. and a hybrid like a bit so of basically
0: bulk. however people's schedule works out but you do do some stretching between you said and uh, before sorry um working out and stuff you know yeah but not all the, not all the time mm-hmm. about 50 percent of my sessions
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. and now less actually because of the whole covid thing but uh, but normally only about 50 percent of my sessions i'll put my hands on people
0: every session about half the time mm-hmm. and just but pure, then, so if you have a pure do you just have your own pure massage clients kind of thing
1: yeah but my yeah i have my i have massage clients where i never trained. and i've trained i've trained on this massage as well
0: mm-hmm, actually mm-hmm. um
1: but then half of my clients are like hybrid they do a bit of both
0: yeah so the massage world is also a complicated world just like the training world i think um you know there's a yeah. lot of different uh, approaches to it and there's a lot you know there's schools that say that that's stupid and there's you know they have they're kind of in between you know fighting um you know <laughs> what, what kind of what's your approach to doing a massage session
1: um as opposed how does it look when someone comes into me for a, yeah, a massage? yeah
0: like if you're just doing a massage I-
1: Again, like, it depends, like, because mm-hmm. I don't have many people come into me for an hour full body massage. I do about five to six, five to eight of those a week, if mm-hmm. that, about five a week, where it's just a deep tissue, whole body sports massage. Okay. Most of my people is like, hey, my, I've got a bad shoulder. So it might be, okay, we're going to focus on this part of the body,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I might do, like, the upper body whole massage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then the next week they come in. I do shoulder. Then I might focus on their legs. But yeah. like most of the focus, like half the time, is on their problem per se. Then the rest of the problem, then the rest of the session, is on the whole body. So I don't normally do like whole body
0: mm-hmm.
1: Swedish style massages. I've Which not done again those shows that you are
0: intertwining a lot of things, and that's that's what makes it kind of your yeah. but like I said. But, but a great... I do,
1: but I but I do do that. So mm-hmm. I've got some friends who don't do that. I'm too cool for that. I don't do that anymore. Like <laughs> sometimes, sometimes like that's what the person needs if they got a bad shoulder they're stressed to the eyeballs
2: yeah
1: and you dig around in their subscap for two minutes you do some levator work then you do a nice good high quality slow like sports massage Mm -hmm. that might be what they needed they need to just relax decompress and you'll find spots that you that you might not have found if you've done a only like a specific spot treatment you know what i mean
2: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh
0: yeah, because you know the average trainer. Sometimes I, I, well, I think a lot of trainers are starting to kind of look at other things because again, yeah. it's like people just only use what they know. You know, so I think I, I am meeting a lot of trainers that are starting to go outside their kind of practice and to maybe learn myofascial release or whatever. Um, well,
1: I think I think more trainers are looking into the massage world than the other way around.
0: then vice versa, yeah. Mm, yeah, for, in, mm. in my
1: experience.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think I agree. Because I you. think. Like massage people, they're they're talking
1: about foam rolling, voodoo bands, mm-hmm. active warm ups,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: uh, all this like cool stuff. But massage people aren't talking about that as much. They, massage people know about foam rolling and stuff like that now, of course. Yeah. But I don't know if they understand about like the fundamentals of of training, like the basics, like push, pull, hinge, yeah, squat. Pro- probably not. They don't know. They don't know that. But that's basic stuff. Well, it's it's, it's not rocket science it should be basic right um but even if massage therapists just understood that concept then they know a lot and they can help themselves and help a lot of clients
0: so that's something they should definitely be looking at yeah
1: i think so yeah yeah massage therapy is being encroached by the
0: trainers for sure yeah which is good yeah seems like massage therapists they'll pull out stuff from like the kelly starrett kind of world right with uh, foam rolling and voodoo bands and i mean what do you think of that stuff how useful is that stuff uh
1: yeah it has i think i mean
0: everything has its place yeah
1: it will work with some people but i don't know if like smashing your calf with a lacrosse ball is the answer but i think it's good that it's getting people the thing i do like about it you have to do it i can't do it for you yeah so it gets them participating in
0: their rehab right right which is good and the other thing on the other hand though yeah it's just I'm meeting so many people that are like you said they're just well either they're torturing themselves by smashing a lacrosse ball into their mid back or whatever or they're just laying on the foam roller for about 40 minutes and then they're going working out for 10 minutes and I'm just like you could have just worked out for 30 minutes and just you know and just gone home you you just kind of wasted your time laying on this foam roller thing I mean probably the way to go is to find a trainer that's experienced in some sort of massage or some sort of technique to just help with those because i think those things i don't know i don't know how useful they are at all honestly
1: yeah I've, i mean they probably have they have some benefit i'm sure because you're getting people on the floor you're getting people on the floor rolling around there's benefit just to being on the floor rolling around mm-hmm. so if i got a client who wants to foam roll mm-hmm. i'll throw them a phone rolling routine like if if they say hey then i want to phone roll before i go to bed great here's a hit these spots roll around do a bit of this
2: mm-hmm.
1: spend and i always say six to eight minutes done yeah
0: done. yeah
1: don't. If you have to spend an hour fun rolling to go to bed, there's something
0: bigger wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because.
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. I don't thumb roll every day myself, but I don't discourage people from fun rolling if indeed they want it.
0: Yeah, I, people want to just. I don't know. Maybe i i don't know if there are you know because like i said i just meet so many people they waste so much time on those things and yeah. i think i think learning to do like a proper it doesn't even have to be like a deadlift whatever just learning how to do one any lift sometimes yeah. for whatever area you're hurting at if you're if it's your quad just like squat body weight you know just or even like like
1: we spoke about in the classes like yeah get into a rest posture watch tv at night in a japanese sit or cross sit or a toe sit or a deep squat or a side sit yeah, like yeah. I, I recommend people do that more, actually.
0: Yeah, which let, let's talk about that because you know that's another thing that I was I loved so much about your class because again, it's like, you know, a client can come into a therapist, somebody like you, and you can spend two hours with them, three hours with them, but what they're doing outside the class it's still gonna impact them, you know. So even if they see you three times a week, that's still, you know, you know, if they're seeing you two hours, that's only six hours, you know, a week. And what yeah. else are they doing in their time? And if they're sitting on a chair and, you know, I don't think chair sitting is really the, the, the devil that it's out, out made it made out to be, you know what I mean? But um but if they're just sitting and not doing any what sort of movement at all, it's still gonna all those time that you you know, you can you can only go so far with them. Yeah, how much know? work
1: yeah. So like with the resting postures so for people who probably don't don't know there's there's many it's just how would you rest if you had no chairs no couches no props so like a a Japanese um an Indian six sitting cross-legged is a cross-legged rest posture Mm -hmm. but to get in that position you need a certain amount of hip flexion you need a certain amount of external hip rotation Mm -hmm. you need a certain amount of like uh, mobility between the pelvis and the lower back, mm-hmm. they need a certain amount of like hamstring like flexibility. Mm-hmm. So, we teach people to get into these positions so they're stretching, but they're not, they're just sitting down.
2: But they're gravity just using is the doing its thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Because everyone's going to sit down and watch TV for half an hour a night, right? Right. So, just sit in a position that you're somewhat comfortable mm-hmm. and let gravity work its magic, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And then you're
1: getting that good time under tension, and like you said, about we work for a, with a client for a two hours, a session, or one hour session. Like the body would like the supposed adaptations, specific adaptations and host demands, right? We get good at what we do the most. Mm-hmm. So if someone sits in front of their computer all day, and then you ask them to do a snatch, they might not be very good at doing a snatch because they used to be in here. But if yeah. you get them in certain rest postures for an hour or two a day, they might be better at doing a snatch just because they're better at resting.
2: Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm.
1: like the yin and yang, right? We, our clients, are, we, all all our clients are concerned about the go part of the workout mm-hmm. as opposed to the slow piece, like warming up with the breath and doing like the easy stuff. Yeah. And they they don't want to do the easy stuff. They want to do the cool stuff, right?
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes the basic easy stuff can be, you know, challenging for people. Like, like you said, those resting postures. I mean, I've had many, many, many clients that had problems with their ankles, for example, you know, and, you know, you and I both know there's, you know, I don't know, 30 stretches for the ankle that you could show them. You could do this, you could do that or you could just say hey just squat down and watch a tv show for 30 minutes in a squat yeah. you know yeah because what's happening right is like your your ankle is flexing up so it's like dorsiflexion so you're getting that stretch of your achilles tendon area there right just yeah. by squatting and you don't have to think you don't have to hold it you know for a certain amount of seconds you just sit down and try to hold as long as you can so yeah i think those postures are really great useful for yeah and it's just people. like
1: patterns like you're restoring patterns to people like when I train people, and probably when you train people, I've always got a client say, "Hey, what muscle does, does this one work?" I'm like, "Don't know," like, "I don't care," I don't yeah. care. Yeah, yeah, like,
0: yeah, that's a great one. Like, yeah, yeah.
1: You're doing a kettlebell swing, you might feel it somewhere. But yeah. like, Really? I, I, I don't. We're not working any muscles. We're just doing deadlifts. We're, we're not. We're just working patterns. <laughs> and yes, your arms might get sore. Yes, your glutes might get sore. But we're not thinking about that. We think. And I, I haven't trained people with muscle training for a long time yeah it's all patterns
0: yeah that's smart that's smart so you kind of yeah. use that maybe that paul check kind of approach sort of right where he has you know exactly I think it's push that. pull squat hinge uh squat, twist, twist and um yeah. gait right lunch yeah Gate, yeah. That's, yeah exactly yeah that's and exactly i think that's a great way people. of breaking it down you know and there's other guys that have done it like that before him too but um, i think the main
1: guy who did it the original guy was a guy called ian king
0: yeah Ian King know, from australia right yeah i don't know much about him but apparently he was the original um guy who ah, you I think. never fucking know man but yeah
1: <laughs> everybody but, says yeah. the
0: original guy you know <laughs> right.
1: but that's the best way to train because then like we have just developed a program <clears throat> me and kiki called ppp fit mm-hmm. and it's a bodyweight training program it has five five levels so mm-hmm. one through five one somewhat easy and it gets progressively more challenging Mm-hmm. Uh, all body weight, uh, five warm-ups, again, getting progressively more difficult, a cool-down based on what we do. And it's all based on the rules that we spoke about, the joint-by-joint joint theory, uh, the yarn up and lower cross.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we go through it's, – it's a timed workout using a the push-pull. Mm-hmm. Then we use a, a twist, a lunge, an anti-rotation, uh, mm-hmm. a back plank, front plank. And in between exercises – we um, teach people how to roll so if this what happens all the time and i'm sure you see it all the time Mm -hmm. people are doing say planks yeah and you say stand up we're going to go and do lunges now or whatever and they get up and it's all horrible you're like what the fuck (laughs) like you've just done all this really good form and that's the way you're going to get up and get down so in our program we're teaching people how to go from exercise a they're going to roll like a primitive roll like we spoke about in the, the classing how people roll from position from prone to supine mm-hmm. so that's part of the transitions and how they get up from the floor and get down to the next exercise
2: mm-hmm. so this
1: program is basically we have got people getting up and getting down every 10 sec every 20 seconds so we use that tabata protocol so they're always getting up getting down and rolling so we've, mm-hmm. that's all like fed into the program so we don't have to teach people how to roll because it's part of the program we don't have a separate uh getting up and getting down from the floor because it's built into the program. Mm -hmm. We're we're clicking off all those boxes, hinge, push, pull, leg, quad, hip, rotation. That's all baked in. And in between the rest periods, uh, which there's four per workout, they do a rest posture. So you do your circuit, rest, do this rest posture, and you do this box breathing. So you sit Mm -hmm. in a squat, you breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold for four seconds, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. so you're doing all this crap
2: mm-hmm.
1: that we think is great, and you do it only in 40 minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, so a, we touch that, really... that's the future. Yeah, that's the future. We, we,
1: we'll send you that. We'll send you that program. and uh, Yeah,
0: that'd be awesome, man. Great. No, yeah, um, and,
1: we, and it's all body weight. It's all body weight, especially now because no one's going to gyms. Yeah. And that's pretty much now online. I've been training clients, mm-hmm. and I've been progressing them through PPP Fit, that's
0: and beautiful. they love it. Yeah, they love you, it. you get everything in there. That sounds great. And you also mentioned um, breathing. Which you know, that's a whole world on, on its own. How how yeah, much are be- you into the uh, nose breathing kind of butteko method kind of stuff, or
1: yeah, I'm in the reading about butteko. He's a Russian dude, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I re- I read All about the best his, like, stuff is from lo- Russia. You don't know that, true. <laughs> apart from the food, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs>
1: no, I, I breathe in like because in martial arts, like again, it was baked into the program. Like yeah. I, I don't have to teach us breathing, but. They were telling you to do certain things, and now looking back on what I know now, it's like, shit, they were having us do mm-hmm. long breath holds and diaphragmatic breathing and, like, breathing out with the effort, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So, like, they was doing it, but I don't know if they were doing it for the reasons that I'm doing it or you're doing it. They were just doing it because some other things, some, maybe some spiritual reason or some other reason. Right. But, no, we have to get people breathing correctly when they train. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's, like… Oh, what, what's
0: was breathing incorrectly what do you think i mean what, what are the biggest mistakes people are doing when they're breathing gasping for air mouth open breathing too fast <laughs> yeah. if they're like
1: if they're like bench pressing like that yeah. that's yeah. really not cool i always tell people to close their mouth when they train
0: so even when you're doing your circuits that get people moving a lot that want to get you know fucked up or whatever in the training you, you're trying to tell them to kind of like breathe through their nose calm their breathing down
1: yeah, because like, again, like, on that circuit, we use time, timed workouts. Mm-hmm. So we, we tell people in the program, like go hard, but don't go crazy where you, you're gasping. You want to be after you do your 20 seconds of work, like Tabata style. You mm-hmm. know what Tabata is, right?
0: Right. Well, you could explain that, but yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it's basically 20 seconds of work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: 10 seconds of rest times eight
0: mm-hmm. with a minute rest. Mm -hmm.
1: so it's very like like one block
0: right so it's like you're doing 20 seconds of push-ups and then you can rest for 10 seconds and then you repeat 20 seconds and you just keep going well the way
1: what the way we did it Mm -hmm. that is one way but the way we did it to densify the workout so for example they'll do 20 seconds of push-ups they'll transition to a standing position they'll rest for 10 seconds
2: slowing Mm -hmm.
1: down their breathing then they'll do for example 10 seconds of squats then -hmm. they'll get back to the floor efficiently Mm
2: -hmm. they'll do Mm -hmm. their
1: thing again They'll get back up efficiently. And we mm-hmm. teach two different ways of getting up because people get up very sloppy, get down very sloppy. And that's like the hidden, like for me in, in working out, like it's like music, right? When you hear a beat, mm-hmm. it's not the beat that's good. It's the, it's, that, it's the quiet in between the beat. That's what makes the beat <laughs> the beat. It's not like
2: duh, 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 duh.
1: It's when he goes quiet, like, oh, that's the music. Right. I think, same when you work out. People do perfect form. I say all the time to my clients, they're doing deadlifts. Perfect. Put it down and they go, bloop. I'm
0: like, <laughs> yeah that happens a lot right Yeah, yeah. like yeah, no nah, yeah. your last
1: rep is your best rep you never yeah, put the weight yeah, down like yeah.
0: Rounded that back, and I think yeah.
1: it's the same when we transition from circuit to circuit we for squats and pushups people know what that is so like get to the floor efficiently correctly mm-hmm. and get up efficiently correctly like that's the magic like
2: yeah.
1: the squats and the pushups are great but how do you do it and what do you do in between you've only got 20 seconds to recover so don't check your phone don't look around like Shake and breathe,
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I think is great, especially you know, especially with the getting up and getting down thing. I mean, I have it's one thing that I work on with older clients, for example. I just literally have them do you know variations of just get off the floor get back on the floor and you'd be fucking surprised man some of those you know when they get in their 60s and they haven't worked out a bunch throughout you even know, even younger even younger too they get up really weird right like you said or they just you know have get up on, on you know n- knock their knees in or collapse their oh, feet in and,
1: and th- what i noticed with people sorry, they, they only have one way yeah they have a way of getting down a way of getting up. So if I have a client who always goes down on their left knee in their right hand, mm-hmm. I'll say next time go down the other way.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like crossing uh, your hands, right? When people cross their hands a certain way. I always yeah, catch my you, clients and I always say cross them the other way just to fuck with them. Yeah, a it's bit. horrible. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: But, it, but it's or good. Or when they do this as well. Yeah, like finger exercises and stuff. You know, I've done like sort of thumbs up, and you have this one, and you kind of switch them. I think it's yeah. great stuff. Do you do you do anything like that with your clients? Like sort of games. I, I not, think you're doing so much with your clients, though, so that not that
1: intricate. Maybe like yeah. I'll, I'll do some mobility stuff with clients. Like yeah, I think the Indian club stuff for clients is enough for their brain. But mm-hmm. was the getting up, getting down stuff? By the way, mm-hmm. I was at a seminar with Dan John. Do you know Dan John? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, big guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's cool. He's he's good. He, he's really good. The like, real squad inventor, that's what they say. <laughs> what did I say? Well, what? He, he, the goblet squat. He's the one that coined the term, I think. You know oh, having the, name. the dumbbell here, right? Yeah, the goblet. That was his they're Probably doing that he's doing
1: that in Russia like three hundred years ago probably.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just called a squat. Just called a squat. <laughs> yeah, Gopniks do that. You know Gopniks are in Russia? No? Nah. Gubnik is like a Russian. It's a Green Street hooligan. That's Russian version. You know, they wear the Adidas pants kind of thing, and they'll squat down by the uh, by the subway or whatever, and smoke a cig- cigarette while they're sitting in a squat. So perfect. That's a functional baby. human being. <laughs> but
1: no, what, what Dan John was doing in the seminar, he did a circuit
2: mm-hmm. like
1: thirty seconds on, thirty seconds off for like twenty minutes, and he'd say, "Get down," and he'll give you a way of getting down. Mm-hmm. Roll to your stomach. Get up. Get down a different way. Roll to your back. Get up. And he's he had all these variations of getting up and getting down, and it was work. And I yeah, was like sweating. My, yeah, and it's 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 great because sometimes I say to a client like with the the squats and push up uh, example, they're like, oh, can I just do all the push ups? I'm like, no, get up. Like, that's <laughs> that's the workout. Get up, and do the squats, then get back down. That's the work.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's doing like it the smoothly. bonus work
1: we just drip in, we feed in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. I think it's just great variation, but you know, you can also get a lot of, you can get really anal about that stuff too. But I think just having fun with it and just going around with it and not taking it too seriously yeah. is the best. It's,
1: yeah. It's like how complicated and how strict you want to be as long as they, for, 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 for longevity and life, mm-hmm. our older clients, as long as they got two ways of getting up and getting down, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because most people in their sixties, 70s, 80s, they're going to fall eventually. Yeah, yeah, and I need to be able to roll and stand
0: up. Mhm, mhm. So, what kind of things you uh, recommend uh, diet wise? Or I mean, you know, it, it's such a, it's such a uh, polarized world these days, right? Where it's like, if you recommend yeah, one I, thing, you're an I, asshole. I mean, do you do I'm spend like, much time recommending things with,
1: with nutrition? Yeah, no,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I just tell people like to eat real food and
0: yeah, it's a big Drink one. water and like don't
1: like if it. Just eat food. Like if it's meat, if you're if you eat fish and potatoes and vegetables, just don't eat shit out of boxes and cans too much. Yeah. I like the CrossFit philosophy. Like, no, who was it? It was Michael Pollan. Mm-hmm. He said just eat just eat food. Like eat what you want. And if you want if you want to make cake, if you want to eat a cake, make eat it. cake, but make make it yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a great. So, yeah,
1: and I've got, I've got some clients who go through the whole vegan thing, mm-hmm. the keto thing, mm-hmm. the fasting thing, and I'm like, do whatever you want for a period of time and just
0: Just check it out. Yeah, maybe that's the way to go about it, right? You're kind of rotating and you're learning. Because I think every time you spend some time being vegan, I always tell people, like, if you want to be vegan, be vegan. But the thing is that don't be dogmatic vegan. And then if you want to be carnivore, be a carnivore. But don't be a fucking dogmatic asshole carnivore. Mm. Because when you do do those things, you know, maybe you become a little dogmatic for a time but you know you do learn things about yourself though you know when you're vegan you learn like oh how's my you know whatever sex function or how how do i sleep i sleep worse better when you're carnivore you learn you know how you feel in the gym blah 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 so i think it's good to try out yeah. different things
2: yeah
1: uh, diet fluid it's like gender fluid but be nutritional
0: fluid <laughs> don't be like you heard it here camera. folks <laughs> i like that Flip. diet fluid
1: <laughs> diet fluid Trademark that. Yeah, yeah. So that- I've got um, I've uh-huh. got clients right now are vegan, uh-huh. and they think it's the best thing ever. Um, but I'm like, great man. Like I'm not a vegan, mm-hmm. and it's good because they're trying new foods, they're cooking at home more. Da 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 Um, but I, I, don't really. I'll, I'll give. A, I'm not a nutritionist, but I'll, I'll definitely give them pointers and I'll point them in a the direction that I think is a good direction to go to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but as long as it's food, like most people don't eat food. If you speak to the average American. And you ask what they had, it's not really food. It's just stuff
0: yeah. that resembles food. It's just boxed stuff. Yeah, boxed um, You know, breakfast cereals. Over.
1: What, what did someone say? They say we're um, we're overfed, undernourished.
0: Yeah, big time. Like you said, if you just somebody tag coined that thing. I think it was Sean Croxton. I don't know if you heard of him. He he called it JERF. J E yeah, R. E-R- yeah, just eat real food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just eat real. So as, as
1: long as you do that, if eighty percent of your your, your Stuff you consume is legit, single ingredient food.
0: Yeah, you're, you're covering good, you're a good. lot of bases there. You're good. So you're not yeah. vegan. I mean, what about yourself? What do you follow any any strict guidelines, or anything like
1: that? No, you're,
0: you're also gender. Or uh, sorry, diet fluid. <laughs> diet fluid. Yeah, gender
1: fluid. Easy, <laughs> oh, sorry um, there. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm. I probably go like relatively lowish carb throughout uh-huh. the week, like just by default.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I like fasting from from for me from a lifestyle point of view. I'll fast. I'll do like one meal a day, a couple of days a week on the days I'm really busy. Hours, oh, wow. One meal. The house.
2: Wow.
0: That's, that's, Gem- yeah. Okay. Not own, every day, not thing. every day
1: on Mondays for sure
0: mm-hmm. on Mondays
1: because I'm out of the house all day. I'll take a load of water and that I'll do that on Mondays. Um, most of the time and I might do it another Wednesday. Uh, but again, if my schedule changes, then I'm having dinner, you know what I mean? It's not, well, mm-hmm. Monday's my day. It just happens to be Monday I get a, on. You're late. not
0: a monk about it. I get you, man. Yeah, you just no. enjoy yourself and you eat yeah. real food.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. I think, I mean, if, if fasting's part of your gig, you can try it. Some people hate it. Kiki hates it. She never fasts.
0: She fasts, <laughs> she
1: fasts in between lunch and dinner. Where'd
0: you pick up fasting from? Did you, pick, did you book or something like that? Or uh, your time somewhere? Uh, where did I pick up fasting?
1: I mean, when I spent time in Thailand, the, the, I, I was in like a monastery in northern Thailand. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of fasting or I don't know if they called it fasting. I don't think they did. But a lot <laughs> of like just it was just definitely low calorie. And I spent time in Peru
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I fasted there a lot because I was doing like ayahuasca. So there'd be like very little Ooh. food.
0: Ooh. Ooh. You were, let's hear this story. <laughs> ayahuasca story in Peru. <laughs> <laughs> I, was there, I was there for a month. For a month in Peru? Yeah.
1: Wow. That was, a, that was about... Did your Spanish improve for Kiki or no? Not no, too much. <laughs> no. I my Spanish is... I had a teacher when I first moved here uh-huh. to learn Spanish. I probably had about 40 lessons. She <laughs> said I was the worst student ever. She's been doing it for
0: 30 years. <laughs> oh, yeah. <God.
1: laughs> I'm from England, though, man. We're so lazy with languages. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Tell her to fuck but the, off. I, I mean. The ayahuasca diet is a very low-calorie diet
0: so hold on Very. hold on how did you get into this <laughs> what what, is, what 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 made you want to go down into peru and do ayahuasca you just took a flight one day and just flew into peru and uh did some dmt or what
1: no it wasn't actually dmt i didn't smoke dmt i just drunk the, the, we'll have you done eat. ayahuasca
0: before no no I haven't, I haven't i haven't but i know that's the active ingredient in ayahuasca yeah, right but there's, mm-hmm. there's
1: dmt in like food right i think most of things we eat lot yeah. of like vegetables have dmt but we don't have the acid kills it sure sure in our stomach so, uh, what happened? No, I, I was reading everything I read. Well, mm-hmm. everything. I, was, I was going through a phase of reading a lot of, like, books. And, still and everything was like ayahuasca, meditation, ayahuasca, meditation. Okay. I was like, shit, man, I keep hearing about this ayahuasca stuff. So, I went <laughs> online, and I, I didn't know what it was. And I, I don't do any drugs. Like, I don't – I've never done any recreational drugs ever. Yeah. Uh, I, so, like – just Guinness. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, just Guinness. Yeah, and a bit whisk, whiskey now. So uh, what happened? I, I was googling it and I found the trip. It was called um, a spiritual odyssey. Okay. It was like a it was like a group trip, and it started in uh, Saint Flores. It started in what's the capital of Peru, Lima.
0: Lima. Yeah. And it Lima. went all
1: around Peru, and then you went to a shaman down in Iquitos, and then you went to another shaman and done uh, a cactus. Okay. I was like, screw it, I'm in. And I sent the money and I told my clients, they're like, you're going to Peru. <laughs> Who with? I'm like, I don't know. I found this website. I sent him $3,000 <laughs> and like, just, and then look at the guy's website. It's like a one page website. It's nothing. Okay. Uh, and it was pretty risky. Like I did, and I went and yeah, man, I went to. So it was uh, a, it was a
0: trip that, hold on. So you did it multiple times down there or it was like. A, uh, I did. I think I did four ceremonies. Four ceremonies of ayahuasca. Yeah, get the fuck out of here,
1: Danny. So in one you have to month? go like, no, you know, in in five days, six days, you did two, had a break, then did two. So it was was it like a center you stayed at,
0: or was it yeah, specifically yeah, yeah. for that? Is that what they do there? Yeah, yeah. I mean? okay. it was like
1: we went to a quitos, which okay. is in northern Peru, mm-hmm. and then you get on like a, a long boat, and you
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're on the boat for like four or five hours. Okay, and you walk into the jungle, and there's like an outcropping. There's like a uh. It's called a moloka where you do the ayahuasca survey. It's like a round okay. um, room. Yeah. And you had like these little, like a small huts just sporadically throughout the, the jungle. Yeah, And that, that was home for like eight days, nine days.
0: And so you were there with just a bunch of other people that wanted to do ayahuasca? Yeah, just a bunch of randoms. Wow. And so how was the experience? I know it's one of those things that's probably indescribable, they say, huh? But, no, uh, no.
1: Like for me. Like, one of the reasons I went to do ayahuasca, I think, A, like, when you keep hearing about something, mm-hmm. like, if, it, if you keep, if someone, like, tells you to read a book, and then someone else tells you to read a book, and then a third person tells you to read a book, read the book, you know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Three
1: people have told you to read the book, so read it. Okay. So I think with ayahuasca, everything I picked up, it was like, ayahuasca meditation, ayahuasca meditation. It's like, I don't know what this is, so I've done some research, and literally about five days later, I was in Peru.
0: oh man oh man
1: (laughs) yeah and it's like ayahuasca is like a very like trippy experience that mm-hmm. like i turned into like a snake one day like I was crystallizing so you, for like you were a...
0: tripping multiple days and it wasn't just like a one one time no it's four ceremonies it was four ceremonies at night because everybody's got their own like you know perfect i don't know they all because i have no people that went to costa rica and they've done it i don't know five times everybody has the magic number um i don't know if that you know it's a bunch
1: yeah of... and again i think the same with ayahuasca like some people get hooked on an ayahuasca and they're searching for something Mm-hmm. And they keep doing ayahuasca, ayahuasca. And I think that's a, not necessarily a healthy thing either. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Like I've, I've got friends who have gone nuts on ayahuasca and they've done 50, 60, 70 ceremonies and they're like, yeah. and they're, they're in their, like their seventh previous life where they're still repenting for shit they did apparently yeah. seven souls ago. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. And they're still, yeah, that was always my kind of thing too. It's like, um, yeah, you gotta. You I know. think some people. We all want to reach that next realm or whatever, but you know you got to be grounded too because tomorrow you got to wake up. It's uh, it's like it's like that uh, Buddha saying, right? Before enlightenment, uh, carry water, chop wood. After enlightenment, carry water, chop wood. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: And I think like with ayahuasca, like they they say it
0: teaches you lessons. Mm-hmm. So did you have the experience? And
1: yeah, like for me, like with teaching, like I don't know if I'm. I, I don't think I told you this at the class, but mm. like teaching for me is something I didn't want to do. Mm. It's something I had. It's something I had to do
2: because
1: mm. I was so like uh, fearful, nervous of doing it.
0: Really? Well, you'd be really yeah. surprised now because I mean, I think well, everybody, you know, it, the class that I took. I mean, everybody, you know, enjoyed your energy and you're you're a fun guy to talk with, and you're really yeah. yeah. But the
1: first couple of t- like, um, so when I was, like, I didn't want to teach, I didn't want to teach, but I, I had this yearning like man you gotta do it because people are asking you to, to teach them this stuff that you do but you have no formal uh syllabus
2: mm-hmm.
1: but i was i didn't want to teach because I was, I was scared of teaching right mm-hmm. so i was like let me go to peru like get a breakthrough moment
0: <laughs> and i, I, I kind of did so you, like, you were kind of chasing uh that fear kind of thing huh you were kind of trying to figure out how to get over that
1: chasing a fear and trying to just get like a like a kick on the backside to like do it hmm. and I think the ayahuasca definitely readjusted my compass. Like, like the biggest experience I got from the ayahuasca was, uh, I'm trying to abbreviate it, but during the trip, during the trip, there was a, uh, a white, like lion, a white leopard mm-hmm. that was like, I was lying down and then my body's just like, and you're, you're out.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: I wasn't moving, but I felt like my body was waving.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, And this was going on for probably an hour, two hours. And I'm lying there and I'm thinking, shit, man, I'm just, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. But I I didn't want to be sick. And I had this conversation going on in my head. If I sit up, I'm going to puke. And I'm just trying to hold it in. I didn't want to puke. And something just put me bolt upright. (sighs) I'm sitting bolt upright. And there's this leopard, this white snow leopard there, growling at me.
2: Like, oh, man. Fuck. (laughs) <laughs> and it had,
1: it, and it had green eyes. It had green eyes. Okay. And I'm looking at it, and I, I'm not been sick, but I'm thinking, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm scared because it's growling at me, and it's real. When you're doing ayahuasca, that's really happening. And they had green eyes, and I'm like, man, that, if that had blue eyes, that'd be cool. I said that to myself, <laughs> and as I, as I said that, the thing just started like attacking me. Oh. And I'm, I'm and I'm lying down, like, Whoa, and I'm all like, what oh, the fuck, like what's happening? And I'm like freaking out. Next night, same thing,
2: yeah.
1: lying down, they're playing the drums and they're blowing smoke over you like tobacco and they're doing all this shamanic rituals, oh. same thing, I'm lying down, my body's waving and I'm like, oh man, I'm going to be sick again and that lion's going to be there, <laughs> so I don't want to sit up and I sat up <laughs> and the lion, the, 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 the white tiger was there again and, it, and I'm like, Fuck. Like, what do I do? So, I like that fear. I'm like, okay, I can either run, i.e., and it's going to attack me, or I can ask it to change and it's going to attack me again. So, I didn't ask it to change its color of its eyes. So, I'm like, okay, let me just embrace it. And I'm like, I'm starting stroking this lion, and it's real, (laughs) it's happening. And it lies down next to me. I'm like, that's cool. I'm I'm stroking this thing and I'm lying down. And the lion's like, lying next to me, like this tiger. I keep calling it a lion, it's a tiger. Yeah. And every time you're on the white, every time you start getting a bit crazy, because you 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 get a bit lucid, of course. I stroke this thing, and it kind of like calms me down. I'm not freaking out because in this room there's thirty people crying, puking, uh, defecating on themselves. Like, and it's happening like within feet. So I'm just got this thing next to me, and it's keeping me chill. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then three or four days later, I'm like, the ceremonies are done. I'm like, I wonder what that was. Like, why? And I'm I'm analysing in my head. And what I think was happening, was that fear,
2: mm-hmm.
1: whatever that fear is, which we all have,
2: mm-hmm.
1: my fear was public speaking. That fear was actually my foe, but you have to embrace it.
2: Mm.
1: Don't change it. Don't try and change the color of the eyes. Don't try and teach via Zoom. No, mm-hmm. teach in front of people. So I think when you embrace the fear, it don't exist. It's just a thing that kind we – Kind of
0: letting go. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's what Rumi said, right? Hunt down your fears. They don't exist.
0: Yeah, that's great, man. Oh, that's keep great. You, like that
1: keep <laughs> you like that
0: quote. But that's no, great.
1: but that's what I got from that. And when I come back, of course, like we're getting into the teaching. And I was actually teaching with a friend uh-huh. uh, at the time. He's a rolfer. And I was still looking for something else. I was still, I might go do a, 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 a class on presentations. Uh-huh. I might, I still wanted a bit more like reassurance. Procrastination, trying to change the script, right? -hmm. And I remember he say to me, he was like, and he's not like a real bull boss. He's like, yeah, stop being a bitch, just teach. I'm like, (laughs) sounds like an English guy. I'm like, no, 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 he's American. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, man, good point, good point. And then I did. And the first one, obviously, you get over it, and you get better, and you get better, and you get better. And then those, those like anxieties, those fears,
0: kind of just they disappear. Man, that's big. But, yeah, that's, that's yeah, a great story, man. That was a
1: good one. That's that, that what I got from ayahuasca. That, that, and that's what it meant to me then and now. Uh-huh. It might change. It might change.
0: And you haven't done uh-huh. it since, have you? No, not done it since. So it's sort of, no. uh, you know, which I think it should be, like a sort of, uh, not once in a lifetime, but one of those experiences where you feel like you need to do it to do it. Because like you said, I also, living in L.A., you know so many people that also have done, like, like you said, 70 trips, and they're in and out of it all every but, day. And they just can't get their own way, right? Like yeah, they, and yeah. also, you've got to think, like,
1: they say with the ayahuasca, they say, the plant has to call you. You mm. don't just go, I'm going to do ayahuasca today because
2: mm.
1: Mm. I read it in GQ magazine. Like, there has to be a real, like, like I kept hearing it. Same yeah. with meditation. I kept hearing about meditation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I was like, man, I've got to look into this stuff because mm-hmm. I just kept hearing about it. Yeah. And, uh, so do you, and that's do when you I have started like meditating. meditation practice now? Yeah, I, I meditate every day. I've not missed a day for, like, four or five years. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. But
1: again, same sort of thing. I kept hearing about it. People kept telling me about it. Then I found a center mm-hmm. that was uh, – and I looked on a Google map. And do you know when you expand it? And you see the pin where the center is. The mm-hmm. pin – I kept expanding. The pin was basically on my house mm-hmm. where I used to live in South Miami. So I was like <laughs> – and, and the woman – and this is when I met Kiki. The woman who was the facilitator was called Kiki. Ah. And I'm like <laughs> – it's kind of weird. Like she's, the person is literally next door to me. Her name's Kiki. My girlfriend's called Kiki. I don't know any other Kikis. So I did that, and then I've, I've done it every day since. I've not missed a day of meditation.
0: That's amazing, man.
1: So, uh, yeah, I think when people, like, if you hear the – you, if you keep hearing the same thing, especially with clients. If a client tells me to read a book or watch this movie and another client says it, I, I make that
2: mm.
1: my mission for that week to watch that documentary or watch that movie. Um, That's awesome, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I was just called. Cool. But I I I would do it again, but I'm in no
0: I'm in no rush. It's gotta be one of those. Uh it's gotta be calm yeah. you. Yeah. So you yeah. You, men- you mentioned your friend um uh that's uh you said a rolfer. Mm. Um and that also has its kind of uh you know it's sort of a sacred art kind of thing because they're sort of in their own kind of world. You don't you don't meet too many people who call themselves rolfers these days. I mean
1: No. You- well, because I mean I think the reason why is like Rolfing training is legit, it's long, it's Mm -hmm. in-depth, and it's very good. I'm not a trained rolfer, but Mm -hmm. I know a lot of trained rolfers. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But um, if you're in a gym and you're talking to a client and you say, hey, man, I'm a rolfer, I can help your back, you're like, you're a what? (laughs) Like, It's just a woman's name, right? Yeah. rolf's name. So I think from a marketing point of view, saying you're a rolfer, it doesn't mean anything.
0: Right. Right,
1: but mis- Rolfers don't want to say they're massage therapists because they're not, they're Rolfers so it's a bit of a, it's semantics man hmm, I mean hmm. Rolfing is not massage but to, to the layman it is
0: yeah, and that also has its own kind of spirituality kind of thing to it, I feel like, you know, attachment where it's like a lot of people who get rolled, you know, have these experiences where they cry or they let go of fears, anxiety, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, so,
0: I've, I've had that with massage. I've had that a couple of times. Not much, actually, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It,
1: it happens. Um, you might have had it when you're training people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I haven't, actually. but um, and, and some people lean into that. In the massage world, there's this whole, like, emotional component of massage which i Mm -hmm. don't delve into that deeply but people do Mm -hmm. um and that's a whole new thing right
2: yeah that's a whole new
1: branch of massage this sort of emotional psychological element to it but again then you're like how far down the road do you want to go if you're getting into emotions with clients i don't know is that our job we're not psychologists um
0: yeah but what do you think uh, so yeah an average like a a different avenue i think i think you froze up there for a second brother you you with me okay Um, yeah yeah i lost you for a sec yeah yeah um i heard what you said though anyway um but the average you know massage therapist person maybe that's just in school or just getting out of school i mean what would you recommend would you recommend them just to maybe look into training a little bit more you know and to look around at those sort of things
1: If if you're if you're out of massage school and you're into training and you train and you wanna increase your bottom line, you should definitely become some do some sort of training training, Mm -hmm. personal training, training. For me, the functional movement screen, the FMS guys is a great place to start because it's holistic, it ties into the massage very well. Mm-hmm. you can use their principles their assessment principles in massage uh, so it it bleeds into one another um, and then do that for a couple of years and if you want to specialize in a modality like a kettlebell or a trx or mm-hmm. whatever then go down that route
0: mm-hmm. and vice versa if you're a trainer chop some you know.
1: wood like you say chop some wood carry some water for a little while yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and if you're a trainer back, that doesn't know anything much about uh you know massage therapy flexibility where would they start you know besides taking your great course which i think yeah is... they could do
1: our class because it's open to, 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 to trainers because mm-hmm. um, i think with uh, massage therapy the training is not like a weekend right mm-hmm. it's like i think in florida it's 700 800 hours
0: yeah it's a lot of hours so yeah so it's a big
1: investment it depends how but they could definitely like attend one of our classes even like a, a mo- like a Flexi- any flexibility class, even like yoga classes, they they talk a lot about like movement and myofascial stuff. A good yoga class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: Um, so yeah, yeah, there's
1: there's. But they should definitely. Um, if you're only a massage therapist, only if you're just a massage therapist, you should definitely look into the training world or get a, get like a a buddy, someone like you, mm-hmm. who understands massage, but you're a trainer. Mm-hmm. And if you're a trainer, get a good massage therapist on board who you can refer to. If you can't put your hands on people legally.
0: Yeah. Like, we mean, should definitely
1: have these people in our network.
0: Yeah, at least so, right? And I think that's great advice. But I think
1: what happens, what happens in our world, in, in training world and massage world, people get so scared. Like, you've got a client. Oh, I'm not going to send this to Danny because Danny's going to do a stretch. that no, I can't do. And then yeah. this guy's not going to come back and I've lost my money. And Danny's going to still, like, yeah. it doesn't work like that. I've had, like, well, with me anyway, if someone sends me a client for massage
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they're a trainer, Mm-hmm. I don't do any training with them. It's just purely massage.
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: you send me a client for for training, I don't do any massage with them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I, I do what I do, and then I talk to the the referral, and we liaise, and we do talk.
0: And, yeah, and at the end of the day, it's just about you know improving yourself, I guess, right? And just getting better yeah. and learning more things. And you'll get new clients to worry about every yeah. single client. I think so, so many people worry about losing their clients a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean... This day, today anyway, it's a scary time, but we yeah. don't need to worry about so that you stuff. Guys as long are, as you do good work. Yeah, so you guys are not doing any uh, um, seminars this this year, but next year you're going to pick back up, yeah.
1: We yeah we had we had a couple planned for this year,
0: but we've uh, we we scheduled them.
1: We've done the online class. We've done the Stretch and flexibility online,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which which uh, people seem to like quite a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but no, it's just it's too much work. Like I think we can officially teach now in florida anyway
0: people are not really probably
2: yeah
1: uh, oh yeah i mean people are teaching right there are people teaching live classes right now but it's like especially in our world like people probably are not working as much they don't have much money Mm -hmm. they don't want to travel uh they don't want to be in a room with 20 people 30 people uh then all the the undertakings we have to take from a medical point of view with the master just it's just a lot of moving parts
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: so we probably won't teach this year
0: and but next year where you guys pick back up um, your website is is it pain posture performance? Yeah, so pain posture let People know Formals. where they can com. find you guys.
1: Yeah, PainPosturePerformance.com We have um stretching and flexibility class up there. We have mm-hmm. another DVD, a downloadable DVD, that's uh distractions and decompressions and we have PPP fit, mm-hmm. which is ready. I need I'm writing a manual as we speak. Okay. There's gonna be like a five it's gonna be a five, eight page like user guide for the client. Awesome. It's, it's it's end up now like 50 pages and I'm oh shit man I need to awesome. I need to just I need to make it short and sharp. But no we'll send you a copy. See what you
0: think. Beautiful. So you let like me it. know and I'll I'll you know promote it out there too and let everybody yeah, know. And this is and this this PPP fit is
1: for trainers, it's for therapists and it's just for Joe blog. It's for Joe blogs like anyone can do it. If you're mm-hmm. relatively
0: especially these days if you don't have much equipment you don't have a gym yeah yeah we don't you don't need
1: a gym like Mm -hmm. i like gyms but you can do this stuff in on a yoga mat you don't Mm -hmm. need much space and it's it's very dense like we spoke about earlier i like it i think it's really cool actually
0: yeah well beautiful man thank you so much man it was a great chat cheers man thank you Uh, I think you're a, 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 a gr- very experienced guy and a very deep and spiritual guy too, and I think that's really important. Sometimes. So. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. Just ch- <laughs> people check out the uh, website, Paint Posture Performance, and uh, follow you on Instagram. What's your Instagram? I think it's uh, Danny Christie. Uh,
1: nah, Danny Christie's just me. That's me being a goofball. Uh, Paint post- <laughs> pain Posture Performance is where we put more. Well, oh, that's right. Like substance. That hey, Danny Christie's just me. Uh, food, whiskey, and kettlebells. Hey, nothing if wrong you, with if that. You, <laughs> if you like that, but no, Pain Posture Performance is uh, <laughs> where we post most of our good information. Beautiful.
0: Well, thank you so much, man. Uh, say hi to Kiki for me. Maybe I we'll,
1: will.
0: <laughs> Maybe we'll do this again sometime, eh? No, we should, definitely, man. Beautiful, brother. Um, Come to uh, Miami sometime. Sounds good. we Will do.